0: Jenna Ellis in the morning
1: Well, good morning. And we are awaiting today the opinions that are likely to be handed down around 10 a.m. this morning from the U.S. Supreme Court. And there are still a few outstanding cases that we discussed yesterday uh, that include 303 Creative and the pair of affirmative action cases. And uh, we'll be talking about those more uh, likely next week in uh, in terms of uh, what what the Supreme Court does uh, with those opinions, and you can always find those at the Supreme Court's website. If you just uh, scroll down, then once the opinions are released, they put that just right on their uh, front page and their home page, and there's always a little Uh, just paragraph that is the holding that gives you the basic description of the outcome of the case and then you can uh, click on the little gavel icon that I actually think is pretty cute that's on the Supreme Court website and you can read the full opinion and uh, some of the some of the opinions are I think a little more difficult in terms of the language depending on who uh, the author is than others to digest and even uh, for me who you know I've I've studied obviously a lot of these as a lawyer um, there are some that just really are not uh, well crafted and you know and I have to go back and read them several times to kind of get the gist so um, if that is you you are not alone in that um, and then there are always the analysis opinions and and some of those uh, the articles that come out and shape the perspective of what that person's opinion is on the case and so if you're reading some of those articles uh, I would suggest of course to Uh, be informed as to whom you are reading their interpretation of the case Uh, because if you're reading, for example, one of the more leftist liberal outlets, then you're going to get a different shade on the outcome of the case. Even if the the facts are technically correct, like, oh, it was a 6-3 opinion and this was the holding, um, facts can still be presented in a way that casts bias and uh, casts a different light on uh the the subject than someone else so um so always be careful or at least aware of the source that you're reading. um A lot of us get uh push notifications on our smartphones and things like that, and so maybe you're tempted to just open whether that's you know c n n or Fox or someone else uh, Bloomberg law that uh comes up with that headline oh this this case has been decided. And uh, we always want to make sure that we are reading circumspectly. So um, still be praying, of course, for the outcome of uh, these opinions in these cases, not only in this term, but ongoing. Because uh, we've been speaking the last uh, few days in this week about the concept of uh, civil government and liberty and freedom generally and as it specifically relates to the U.S. Constitution or Constitutional Republic, and of course on the federal level, we have a separation of powers. And uh, I played that wonderful clip from uh, Justice Scalia talking uh, to one of the uh, congressional committees years ago and talking about how separating powers uh, is the best safeguard for liberty and freedom uh, in this country. And I think that the founders understood that when you have a power contradicting power, that is a, a mechanism by which we restrain man's desire and Often sinful desire to take more power, and uh, power in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's it's how you can potentially abuse it. Um, the power, for example, of parents to instruct their children—that's a power that God vested in parents to direct. Uh, the upbringing of their children in um, the admonition and knowledge of the Lord. And that power should be exercised. And in fact, if you don't exercise that responsibly, that's dereliction of authority and of a duty and responsibility that we have. And I would submit and argue that we as Christians always have the responsibility and the obligation and the duty Um, to proclaim Christ to a lost and sinful world. And if we are not daily taking every opportunity to do what the Lord has for us in everything that we do, not just in church, not just in family, but um, in our workplace, in our civil society, in the public sphere, on social media, um, in our interactions with our neighbors, all of those things. If we're not taking advantage of every opportunity that we can that the Lord provides, then we are derelicting a duty and responsibility that we have to proclaim the truth of God. And, And that, of course, starts with uh, knowledge it starts with understanding what are we proclaiming um, often there is uh, you know this this idea that um, th- that we have these social media influencers right and we have a, a, a lot of young people that that's actually now a vocation that they want to be an influencer and and I, I think that that's actually uh, hilarious in a sense that that is now a vocation uh, that's called an influencer when We should be, as Christians, influencing our world and our sphere of influence toward something, uh, toward the truth of the gospel of Christ. And that is what our civil society needs to preserve and protect, is our ability as Christians to influence the world around us with the gospel and with the truth. And that is the whole idea of where law comes from if you look at the scope of Scripture. You know, God talks about how law is given for our good so that we can live rightly. His precepts are good. You have this entire explanation um, that's beautifully written in Psalm 119 from King David, just explaining, oh, how I love your law. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see wonderful things in your law. And, um, you know, help the a, a young man should uh, establish his steps and prepare his way by by adhering to the precepts of the Lord. And, um, you know, law is used as well in scripture to evidence our sinful fallen nature so that we recognize our need for a savior. And, And so when we look at how just the philosophy and the concept of law is given by the Lord, not only for our good, but also to show us Our need for a Savior, um, law is actually a good thing. It's part of the justice and the character and nature of the Lord Himself. And for His own sovereign purposes, He ordained and established um, the world to which we are presented. And we can grow in that knowledge of Him. And we know that when we accept the truth of Uh, who Jesus is, who God is. Uh, We recognize our need for a Savior. We repent and come into a saving knowledge of our Lord and call him Lord. And we, so we repent, turn from our sin, accept Jesus as our Savior. Um, Then Romans, and and this is in uh, chapter 8, and it starts saying, therefore, So after all of that, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And I love love, love the book of Romans. And obviously I love the full counsel of God and the entire scripture has to be read in its entirety. We shouldn't be um, just picking and choosing verses out of context and proof texting and, you know, building all doctrines around them uh, without taking into account the full counsel of God. Um, But specifically the book of Romans, which uh, the Apostle Paul lays out as uh, what's become known as the Roman Road, which is, um, you know, we see our sin, we understand how law functions uh, to show us and evidence our need for a Savior, and then we see who is that Savior, and we identify him as Christ Jesus, and then we, we repent, we turn from our sin, and then God says, now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and that we do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And it's a righteous requirement of the law to be fully justified through our faith in Christ. And and I read this whole book of Romans so differently. Um, and I think with a richer understanding of the legal terms after I went through law school and had studied more substantively Uh, What these words in a legal sense, not just a familiar um, English language sense, meant uh, when Paul, who also was a lawyer, by the way, when he wrote Romans, he used a lot of legal terms and talking about a righteous requirement of the law and how we don't live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit and how we are now fully justified uh, justice and this whole concept of the character and nature of God uh, being just is, is just, is such a wonderful attribute of how law is supposed to move and function in society. And, you know, the left ha- has completely, like so many other things, perverted the definition and meaning of justice um, so much that now we have this whole idea of social justice. We have, uh, things like, you know, critical theory that uh, says that what justice requires is a feeling-based resolution and redress for perceived grievances. That come from uh, a a system that is systemically racist or systemically oppressive uh, in ways that are subjectively defined according to whatever premise and false theory that the left suggests. And if we are premising our civil law on those types of false doctrines and false justifications and false definitions then we are premising what justice requires according to a false theory and ultimately a false God, a false idol, a false doctrine, instead of recognizing the truth about justice, which is that justice is an attribute of the very nature and character of God. We cannot have justice apart from truth. And truth is defined as the person of God. And so when we're talking about meaningful justice, we can't reinvent these terms to mean social justice or to mean uh, these types of redress that are categorically imposing on whole groups of people this type of redress for a grievance that we're attributing to people who aren't even responsible. I mean, that's, that's a whole notion of critical theory is to say that certain groups are categorically responsible for oppression that's perceived in a society. That's not justice. Um, that's not true, meaningful justice. That's not truth uh, at all. But it's now then asking for a type of justice and a type of redress for a perceived false grievance that's not grounded in reality. And so as we are, as Christians, looking at the meaning of liberty, freedom, and and truth itself, and justice— All of these things that are attributes of the nature of God himself, we have to be very careful to define all of these principles that we talk about in our civil society context. We have to be very, very careful to properly, correctly, and truthfully define these terms according to the character and nature of God, because we can't have justice apart from God. And, and what I recognized going through law school and, and studying a lot more of this philosophy more deeply, and law school doesn't teach you any of that. I mean, this came from my worldview training, my, my thoughts about um, the Lord, the, the living out my own faith, and considering all these philosophies, what I learned is that justice isn't just in and of itself a virtue. It has to be predicated on truth. Truth is the highest virtue because truth is the person of God. Justice necessarily must outflow from truth. So as we're talking about all this philosophy and we're talking about our civil society and how we need to ordain and establish law, what our constitution means, we have to, have to, have to define all of these terms, even the legal terms, our civil government terms, in accordance with truth which is the person of God himself. So we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning.
0: Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the Morning.
1: Welcome back. And we have been talking about truth in community and the biblical worldview of liberty and freedom and how we make these determinations of how we uh, enact moral law and follow the principles of God and his delegated authority to each of the institutions that God has ordained, civil government, family government, church government, and uh, this broader conversation of where we need to Uh, really embrace the idea that we are responsible for our country and that's part of the blessings of liberty that we have in the United States that we are and should be and uh, even if not practically (laughs) right now uh, we are a citizen-led nation and part of that is uh, becoming more and more responsible uh, for our government institution and part of that also uh, is running for office, uh, for people who choose, uh, to pursue that and and believe that that is a calling that the Lord has placed on their lives. And, uh, one of these very fine people that are running for office, um, is my good friend, Alan Mashburn. He is running for Lieutenant Governor out of the great state of North Carolina, a pastor homeschool father. And, uh, Alan, I really appreciate your, um, just all of your work so much, and the fact that you are stepping up to run for lieutenant governor and uh, and continue to uh, make your state uh, mirror truth and the principles of God. So um, what is your campaign all about, and why did you decide to run for office?
0: Well, I hesitated for months to call it uh, a calling, and I certainly uh, hesitated to call it uh, or or make it in comparison to my calling to preach the word, but it it began as a deep burden uh, for our country, for my children, for our children and our community. And um, you mentioned, I think it was yesterday, my relationship with our current lieutenant governor who's running for governor here in North Carolina, Mark Robinson. And he and our our good friends, the Lord just knit our hearts together. And we met around a a program called uh, American Renewal Project. And that's uh, led by David Lane and uh, Gary and Dana Miller. And um, they would bring Mark in and um, uh, speak. He would be the keynote speaker. We would have anywhere from 150 to 260 pastors who would come in and and, and just fan the flame of uh, of getting involved, becoming engaged. We as a church in general— have been sitting still too long. We've been playing it safe. We've been, uh, I like to say, we've sat on our blessed assurance and we need to stand on our promises and get out of our premises. But um, I started praying as to what God wanted me to do. And if if anything, other than what I was doing, and, and we've got extensive ministry as far as radio podcasts and everything, but I just, Lord, I don't know what else I could do, but if you'll show me, I'll do it. And my son began praying, uh, unbeknowing to me, that he, he he specifically prayed uh, that I would help uh, in, in our state, and specifically prayed before I even knew it, uh, prayed that I would consider running for lieutenant governor. He never told me this until after I had, had spoken with our family and said, Let, let's start praying about this. And so now I point to him and jokingly say, you're the cause of this. You prayed for this. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Lord just impressed it entirely upon my heart that we have got to stand. We have got to take our message outside of the four walls of our church building. And we have got to live as the salt and light. And what that means is, the Lord said, occupy till I come. Doesn't mean go in there and and timidly tiptoe around. It means to occupy, to to possess, to be that ecclesia, that uh, called out assembly into the public square. So, we are doing everything we believe God wants us to do as that salt and light. And the light, when it's turned on, darkness will dissipate. And I think you will agree that um, the world has never been so dark. Our country has never seen such darkness. Uh, as you and I mentioned uh, a few hours ago about uh, what we've seen in the major cities, the the Pride Month events, and uh, what we have seen uh and, and children being exposed, uh, it's, just, it's just horrendous. So we say in the campaign, we want to raise the level of righteousness in our land. And to do that, we just, we live out Christ in our lives. And so we were speaking about a biblical worldview. You only, there's only two. There, there's either, either a humanistic worldview where you proclaim yourself to be God and you seek to see, uh, please yourself. Or you see things through the lens of God's Word and how He desires things to be. So we began praying, and, and God has led us uh, thus far. And I, it, it's been an incredible journey if we stop right now. But we're not stopping. We're running that's, to win
1: because <laughs> we wonderful. know
0: that there's no other choice. There's no other place to go.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's, as you know, my mom always likes to say, there's, uh, there's no... Uh, you know, Mayflower to a new world, you know, that, and and no. we have a a blessing of liberty in our great country that we do need to take responsibility for. And I'm talking with Alan Mashburn, who's running for lieutenant governor out of the great state of North Carolina and is a pastor and homeschool father. And, you know, Alan, um, I always love when, you know, things happen in a way that, that God makes it so clear because uh, what you, you end up understanding is your calling or your next step uh, for the Lord then is simply confirmed by other members of your family or your church community uh, that then say, we've been praying for the exact same thing. And, um, you know, that was part of my story that, you know, listeners know in terms of coming to, um, to American Family Radio Network. Um, I was praying for uh, the next step in my ministry, um, coming off of, you know, some of the, the campaigns and some of the other roles that I've had, and i still having, you know, my show on Salem, but, uh, wanting to do more that's specifically from a biblical worldview. And I didn't know that, uh, that AFR and Tim and Walker were uh, were praying for um, a a new host for the this uh, 7 a.m. Central uh, 8 a.m. Eastern hour, and um, we were independently praying for what ultimately was the same thing, which is uh, for me to be part of AFR. And it was just, you know, it's, it's just yet another story of um, of how God is uh is living and moving in society Uh he's there Uh he's not silent and we have to continually always pray for his direction and his guidance and your story alan i think is um is incredibly important because i've heard from so many different people around the country who are standing up and running for office um, because they feel this great burden Um, to get involved and engaged in in a way that they haven't ever before. And so as a pastor... Um, I'm sure that, you know, you've you've seen and gotten some of the pushback where people are saying, well, you know, your pastors should only teach what they believe about God, you know, within their church. But to bring that out into civil government, well, then that's just a theocracy and you're just uh, perpetuating and pushing your faith on us. And and I want to dispel that whole myth um, because w- because I, th- I think that's just com- a completely false way of looking at civil society and our ability as Christians to engage, uh, because you're right that everyone has a worldview. Everyone has a religion, whether they call it one or not. Uh, they have a source from which they derive their moral views, and they take that into their jobs, into their public office, and into their lives. And so um, from the perspective of being a pastor, Um, What is your view um, overall, and this is a very broad question, in terms of how our civil government must legislate morality in terms of abiding by the, the truth of morality as God has presented it to us, not only in his specific revelation in the Bible, but also general revelation, the truth that is around us?
0: Well, Broad, and let me state a disclaimer from the very beginning. Whenever you have a pastor on, he's going to talk and probably talk too much. So feel free. (laughs) It's your show. You interject as much as you need to.
1: That's why we um, have you on two segments, (laughs) because I know that. So no worries.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you're you're doing this at your own risk. But, um, you know, the Bible says in Romans 13, and I get thrown this, you said Broad, answer, and it is. I get thrown uh, Romans 13 all the time of how you're supposed to be quiet. Well, I don't see that in the text of how you're supposed to comply. I don't see that in the text. Um, I've lost friends. I've lost pastor friends who do not think that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And ultimately, you have to decide that you're going to follow God no matter what. If he's leading you, it's not about you. It's about him. And that goes, much of that goes against my grain as a pastor. I'm still not used to taking a lot of pictures with people. I'm not, I'm not used to promoting self. And even in campaign, that's, that's what it's about. You're talking about what you, what, uh, what you would do. And I don't like seeing my name on everything. Uh, it just goes against my grain. And I think that I used to be that way, but God broke my heart and told me, Hey, the ministry isn't about me. It's about me. It's not about you. But, uh, that, setting that aside, uh, legislatively, I think we've come to a point in our society, specifically in the last few years. Um, it's like when COVID hit, when Donald Trump went in, it began, and it's nothing to do with Donald Trump. It's like, it's like the left just went haywire. Uh, it, it the left just went haywire and, and everything became so more blatant. And it's as if the evil accelerator was floorboarded, and we, we have no recourse when, when, when we're left to the point that we have drag queen story hour of coming in our, our smaller towns, our rural towns like where I'm from, and they're inviting and wanting to groom. And I said, I've said before there's a reason why they do not go. To nursing homes and read drag story hours. They 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 know exactly what they're doing, and what what we saw in in New York screaming, "We're coming for your children." I don't think we have any other recourse but to go and, and to seek legislative relief and and make these laws uh, concerning our children. And what parent would be so Blatantly ignorant of of morality and truth to take their children to that—that's a whole other story. That that opens up another can of worms of there's a heart problem, there's a spiritual problem, which we know is most evident. But
1: Absolutely, and and, and I'll just interject is. here uh, real quick, Alan uh, mashworth You know, I want to underscore what you said though in terms of how campaigning is um, unfortunately. Uh, necessarily, um, an emphasis on on yourself and your policies, and you know, and what you can do. And, and I think that um, for a lot of conservatives, especially in the um, the current era of television media, and you know, kind of this uh, focus on more of the celebrity candidate, and um, and that's not you know exclusive by any means uh, to Donald Trump. I think that you know he's a master of the media. Um, and, and he certainly taught me a lot about the media, but because there is such this focus on the person and almost this glorification of um, of our candidates, it, it really, unfortunately, has um, the, the effect, net effect of making politicians celebrities in a way that um, the founders certainly did not envision, uh, did not Uh, carry out and live their lives that way they it's it's the total opposite of public servant and and unfortunately with a lot of the political commentary as well i mean you know a lot of people have have suggested you know for for me and and my role because um you know i've now gotten larger platforms uh continuing to talk on on these matters and you know obviously with my representation of president trump and and i'm like you know i it's very weird for me too like when if people recognize me out in public um you know that I, I. It's always kind of weird, and it's also something where I think your view on this is so correct that even engaging in politics, whether as a candidate or you know as somebody who's a commentator um, like me, and you know, and engaging in litigation in other ways um, as an attorney, we as Christians always have to remember that. Everything we do is in service to the Lord. And, you know, I always like to say my platform, my voice, everything that I am is always about promoting the name of Christ, not my own name. And we have to make sure that that is an emphasis. And so how as a pastor, um, are you or have you um, dealt with with that aspect with people who are are engaged in politics, or even even in the church. I mean, we see this even with celebrity pastors, where it's more about them than it is about Christ, and and that is such a wrong emphasis. And so, how have you dealt with that in a in, in a church context, or or now more in a past in a um, pastoral candidate sense?
0: Well, I'll be the first to admit that uh, it's difficult to uh, to go into the pulpit and preach and take off the political role, even though I, I interject a lot of of my faith in into political speeches, because it's who I am. I'm a pastor. I, I, I can't separate the two. It's in my fiber, and I don't want to. Um, but when I go and preach in a pulpit, it should be about Christ, and it is, and I want it to be only about Him. And when I go in and speak in the political arena, I want everything to be seasoned with Christ, even though we may be talking about something that is uh, dealing with specifically to the community uh, it it must be influenced by my faith now as far as um staying grounded that is so important and it is easy as you very well know more than i because your platform is much larger we have to stay grounded to remember that we are servants and there there is there's plenty of opportunity out there for satan to take what we do and to try to elevate ourselves.
1: More and, and we gotta take than, a break here to and, and I wanna continue on that uh, when we come back with more with Alan Mashburn, who's running for lieutenant governor out of North Carolina, when we come back right here on Jenna Ellis in the morning.
0: love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning.
1: Welcome back, and I'm talking with Alan Mashburn, who is a pastor, homeschool father, and running for lieutenant governor out of North Carolina. And before the break, um, which I, unfortunately, we had to take a break, uh, I was talking with uh, Alan, and, and you were responding uh, to this idea of staying grounded as a Christian, uh, regardless of where God brings us to in our lives, and, uh, and regardless of whether that's in a a public setting, uh, whether that's in you know a church. I mean, even Alan, I've even seen people in in you know, really small churches who you know get on the worship team, and suddenly it becomes all about them, and they think you know, oh, I'm so much better than everybody else over here, and I have followers and clicks, and you know, I mean, so this isn't limited at by any means to politics or um, you know people who uh, gain celebrity in other ways, or um, you know, or who have a ton of followers on social media. I mean, this is a a common thing. I think that um, Christians in particular need to always recognize no matter what our area of service we have to always focus on uh, promoting the name of Christ and the truth of Christ instead of ourselves and so um, so I want to give you an opportunity to uh, finish your response on how to stay grounded
0: well it was Paul that said I die daily and I think we have to do that I, I went I served under a man by the name of Dr. Lee Robertson in Tennessee Temple Schools. And um Dr. Robertson always said die to self, die at yourself. And that was his motto and and no matter what he did, uh he reminded us. He was also the one that said everything rises and falls with leadership. Um so that stuck with me. I also had a Bible professor tell me one time, you don't have to be all that humble because you're not all that great. That stuck with me as well. But um we have to stay grounded because we are servants. We serve the king. Now, that, that there's no other greater calling than doing that. But we have to remember that we are expendable in the kingdom because when we get prideful, and it's so easy for us to do, uh, God can use someone else, and he will. It's a privilege to be used, and um, it's an honor. And so to be grounded, we must be students of the word. We must be people of prayer. And um, I'm certainly no example of that. I want to be more and more. But I'm simply saying the only way to, to stay a servant is to be in tune with who you serve. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing in, in our political arena. Uh, people get up there and they – well, in many of our churches as well. They get up there. They get a little bit of stardom. They, they start accepting gifts or whatever, be it compliments or monetary or anything and they forget their sole purpose of existing in that in that capacity. Uh yeah. we've noticed in our own state that some politicians are are near uh, i i jokingly say that the fourth person of the godhead uh that's not so and the founders never meant for that to happen. People need yeah, and to I'm come reminded
1: – I'm reminded of uh, 1 Peter 5 where uh, it says, And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand so that in due time he may exalt you. And, you know, this is uh, one of those verses that um, has always uh, been been a, a comparison, I think, in my life of saying, where is my... Um, thought, my orientation, and my uh, my desire is that to serve the Lord only and to continue each and every day, no matter what happens, you know, good or bad, um, loved or hated, which you know, we, we get both, of course, Ellen, uh, that I just get up every day and say, today, I will do what God has for me to do today in ministry. And um, as as Francis Schaeffer, who, uh, as as most of our listeners will know, um, ran Labrie and, you know, the, and trained in worldview and wrote um, The Christian Manifesto and, you know, a lot of these other really, really good worldview um, books, you know, he was asked one time about um, Labrie and said, well, you know, if people uh, don't, don't like, you know, what you're doing and and you're, you don't... uh, you don't have enough donations and stuff, well then, you know, what are you going to do? And he said, well, then we'll be smaller. You know, and it was like, I, I serve God, you know, whether it's it's to a very, very small few or to, you know, a wide worldwide audience. And I think we do need to keep that perspective Um, That especially in a social media context as well, um, so many people and especially um, for the young people that are listening, you know, there's this whole idea that we have to be influencers and we have to, you know, get hundreds of thousands of followers and all of this. And, um, you know, I always like to tell students, well, what are we influencing toward if you want to be an influencer, you want to be a world changer, you have to have that goal in mind. And that should be to fulfill the Great Commission. That should be to proclaim the truth of God and to bring others into a saving knowledge of him. And and doing that, of course, engaging in all kinds of other um, subject matter and vocations and ministry. Uh, but the goal should not be just to gain followers or to say, well, this is, um, you know, this, this event or this other thing, or, you know, this isn't worth my time because it's only a few people. I need a bigger platform. Well, yeah, you know, that's, that's not at all what the Bible teaches. And, um, and so, you know, as, as we are looking, uh, toward engaging in civil society, um, Alan Mashburn, I think it's, it's also incredibly important that, um, that people who are looking at, you know, some of these more national figures are people like you that are running for statewide office and they're thinking, well, you know, I don't have that kind of platform and, you know, all I do is, is um, homeschool my kids or all I do is go to church. I mean, those, those things are just as important and are some of the best ministry um, vocations and callings that God can possibly give. And, and I think there's encouragement there.
0: Absolutely. And these are the people... These kind of people who think that, those people are exactly who God uses. Um, the people who think that they don't matter, they matter to God. And um, we have got to realize that. You know, the Bible says um, in uh, Romans 11, Who has known the mind of the Lord? We cannot figure this thing out. The only way we are ever going to, to walk in light is to rely on the light and I get up and I'm the same same way you just described I get up and I see God has given me light to, to step into I step in that light and he gives me more light um, many people think that when they become believers they uh, god's going to give them an endless supply bank account and you know you're 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 good to go no he supplies your need as you need it and um, he gives you grace when you need it he gives you everything when you need it. So he performs perfectly as a heavenly father. And um, specifically in the role of serving or wanting to make a difference in a civil government, I think we have to rely on him even more because the we, we lose the aspect of we're in spiritual warfare, and we must rely on him. He's the captain of our salvation. We, we let that roll off our tongue, but we don't rely... Really understand what that means. He leads. He charges the battle, and we serve him.
1: Yeah, and and I think that's so well said, um, Alan Mashburn. And you know, and going then into civil society, um, and as a Christian, uh, going into that that role and, and, you know, as you are wanting to uh, serve the people of North Carolina as Lieutenant Governor, um, you know, I kind of want to circle back on, on the first uh, part of this conversation, which is affecting that world-changing uh, legislative and executive uh, capacity that uh, that people do serve in, in civil government and how we take our Christian worldview and we can actually uh, create a more perfect union and build a moral and upright society. So what is your view um, overall on on this whole concept of legislating morality? Um, because you know, as I've as I've talked to um, th- this AFR family about now for the last couple of days, you know, we we do legislate morality because we prohibit certain things in society. Um, that's just a given. You can't escape the fact that, all law is inherently moral. It's just whose morality are we legislating and what are the contours and parameters and and bright lines and uh, where do we draw those distinctions? And so um, ha- what is your view as, as a pastor and a Christian and as someone who wants to uh, fulfill the role of lieutenant governor in the state, how should we as Christians think about legislating morality?
0: Well, you know, the scripture says for rulers are not a terror." To good works, but to the evil. And I think uh, the Lord obviously, we know, established civil government. And in every role, we are supposed to be a terror to evil. And I think the only way to do that is to elevate righteousness in the role of government, have believers more involved, and do what is necessary to restrain evil in our land. And it's sad that we have to come to the point of having to do that legislatively because it means we've we've come to a point in our country and and in our state that there is no boundaries to many many people many people that would have uh evil to to run rampant but uh when we started this journey, we started attacking the inappropriate books in schools and Many people don't see a problem in with pornography on our on the shelves being available to our children and and I want it gone. I want it gone because it doesn't satisfy uh the the more perfect union clause uh in in our constitution. It doesn't edify children it doesn't build them up in any way, shape, or form it degrades them and uh we have we've got to take a stand. Uh, legislatively and have a a principled legislative branch and as lieutenant governor uh, that role comes with being president of the senate so unfortunately in our state that role doesn't mean as much as it sounds but he is able to help craft legislation that will be that terror to evil and not not exactly grow the government. We don't want to see any more government everywhere I go. People want to do and live their lives. We want that as well, but we do not want our children exposed to any more evil than necessary, specifically in our public educational system.
1: And that just makes so much sense, uh, Alan Mashburn, because uh, I, I think that the the question of how parents can possibly bring their kids to some of these events, I mean, that's just mind-boggling to me that, that that they would even consider that an option. I think that speaks to the depravity of the culture and how the church really needs to step in. Um, but but to protect uh, children from, you know, some of uh, this this evil and this corruption, it isn't genuinely a matter of, of parental rights in the sense that, okay, yeah, this is just fine that we can expose children to, uh, to this type of... Um, content in the public sphere and in state-funded edu- education and in some of these forums that the legislature really can correct and remedy and so um, you know it was it, it was just so, Disgusting to me, and and literally the term "disgusting" was trending on Twitter when we were seeing some of these examples of these pride parades, and we're you know nearing the end of the month, and now it's um, it's finally I think shifting toward toward patriotism for uh, the Fourth of July holiday coming up, and it's just such a contrast to me to say okay we've spent this last month basically having to shield our eyes from a lot of this depravity, and now all of a sudden on a dime we're shifting the the cultural emphasis into patriotism for a country that was built and founded on a biblical worldview and the necessity of selecting and preferring Christians as our leaders. And, you know, so how would you encourage um, parents to get involved and to make sure that uh, we are building a moral and upright society when we see some of these just absolutely grotesque displays of depravity?
0: Well, I think parents have the ultimate responsibility because they're going to give an account to God, whether they're believers or unbelievers. They're going to give an account to God for how they have raised their children. And so I think the best way to make America great is to make do the things that made America great to begin with. And sorry to borrow a phrase there, but it's the truth. We have to go back to what our parents did, bring your children to church, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Do not skip church for events. Start having the mindset of skipping other events for church, because whatever is is important to that parent, that child or children, they are going to see that, and they're going to say, it's okay to do this, or it's okay to do that if we we, we want to put the Lord on the shelf here. And then we need to start teaching our children how important this country is. The left has come out strong about saying how how we have just been terrible as a country. We've got a former president, Obama, in his term, who went across our borders and apologized for things, told our business leaders, you know, if you have a company or small business, you didn't build that. That kind of garbage just needs to be uh, just deleted from our vocabulary and even our memory. Because we need to teach our children how important it is to work, how important it is, to be honest, how important it is to take pride in this country. Not in sin, but in this country. And I don't know how you switch that. off from the pride month and go into patriotism.
1: That's just <laughs> Well, that's just... we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. And Alan Mashburn, um, you can find him, Alan mashburn four in the if you're interested in uh, donating or supporting him there. And I wish that everyone had the same mindset that you did to keep our eyes on Christ. Uh, this has been Jenna Ellis in the morning. You can always reach me, Jenna at AFR.net. Make it a great day for the Lord.